millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back to the Women's Podcast. I'm Roisin Ingle. Now, almost every day, it seems that our world becomes more fractured, more digital and more chaotic. Sheila Liming, who is our guest on the podcast today, says she has the answer. We need to hang out more. The pandemic made our friendship circles smaller. And for some people, it's been hard to get back out there. But maybe 2023 will be the year to change all that. So have you ever wondered about the value of just hanging out with your friends? About the art of hanging out, which is daring to do nothing much and even more than that, about daring to do nothing much in the company of other people. Sheila's new book is called Hanging Out, The Radical Power of Killing Time. And in it, she is urging people to block out time and dedicate it to the work of interacting with other people, whoever they may be. Starting with the assumption that play is to children as hanging out is to adults, she asks questions like, what is hanging out? Why is it important? Why do we do it? And how do we do it? And she examines the various ways we hang out in groups, online, at parties and at work. Hanging out the radical power of killing time makes an intelligent case for the importance of the most casual of social structures and shows us just how getting together can be a potent act of resistance all on its own. We were intrigued by this and so we got Sheila Liming on to talk to us about her mission to get more people hanging out much more than they usually do and I began by asking her what prompted her to write the book. Well, I was thinking about the subject, um, obviously, over the past couple of years uh, during the COVID pandemic, but I think the subject had rooted in my mind even before that. Um, I was reflecting on the way that uh, the population of people that I tend to interact with as a college professor about how they have very different habits um, towards hanging out and socialization than some of the ones that I might have taken for granted as being associated with my own generation or older generations. And so as I was watching this shift, I was thinking about, you know, what it means to hang out, what it means to sort of kill time, uh, socially speaking, and also why that's important um, and what happens to us when we're not allowed to do that or when there are things that are actually preventing us from being able to do that. Yeah, it's funny during the pandemic because I found personally that kind of all those restrictions on having been able to hang out. Like I was very, not that I broke any rules just in case anyone's going to give out to me, but I was really keen to, in whatever way I possibly could, make sure that I still got to hung out. And I hadn't thought of it until reading your work on it, that it was very important to me that I was able to somehow escape my domestic situation here with my lovely children and my partner and have something else, have something else that was going on, even if it was just a half hour sitting very far away from someone in the outside with a coffee and just talking about the madness of what was going on. Like that was a really big urge that I had in myself. And I maybe hadn't realized I needed that stuff as much as I did because I'm quite self-contained, but I definitely found ways to make sure I should do that. Did you find that urge was coming up in you during the, the time when we couldn't do anything? 
Yes, absolutely. Um, and for me, it was compounded as well because I moved during the pandemic. I moved um, basically across the United States <laughs> from one state to another. So I was I was new in the community that I was living in at the beginning of 2020. And I was, of course, looking to do the things that you do when you move to a new place, which is, you know, make friends, meet your neighbors, everything like that. And I discovered that that was next to impossible. It was really, really hard to do. So, you know, like you, I was compensating uh, with all forms of virtual hanging out. I was, you know, talking to friends on the Internet. I was texting them. I was using my phone. But I was feeling the whole time like it wasn't the same, like there was this essential ingredient that was missing. Yeah, but I actually did as much as I could get into the space, even if I had to be away from them or slightly, you know, maybe manipulating the rules a bit. I, I think the thing is that the hanging out on Zoom got really tired, I think, for a lot of people very quickly. And did you notice writing about it that, that it's not the same? It has to be in person. Yes, absolutely. Um, and, you know, for me, I was I was teaching at the time remotely on Zoom, too. And so the hanging out that I was doing over the Internet started to blend into my working hours where all of those instances felt basically the same. And that was part of the stress of it, too. I mean, not just the sort of physically taxing feeling of staring at a computer screen, but also that constant feeling that there was distance between you and whoever you were trying to talk to and really missing that in-person component, which I think is huge because we communicate in a variety of ways that can't just be captured, you know, via screens. We communicate with body language. We communicate with facial expressions, with changes of voice um, that are hard to register when you have that kind of mediated distance. So when you started writing about this, you kind of looked back over your whole life in hanging out and you found all the different ways in which you you had done it. So you look at parties, you look at, you know, various ways that we hang out with people. What did you learn from from kind of reflecting on the many different ways of hanging out and why it's important? Well, I'm glad you brought up parties, um, which is actually the first chapter of the book. I think about parties because parties are kind of like a preeminent example of the way in which we hang out, especially when we're trying to celebrate or ritualize things in our life. Um, and I think a lot of people, myself included, have kind of mixed feelings about parties sometimes, right? There are yeah. good ones that we've all experienced where we had a great time, and there are dreadful ones that we've experienced too. So I was thinking about that a little bit, you know, about why I missed parties during the pandemic, given those dreadful experiences, and what makes for good ones, what makes for bad ones, you know, the kind of social obligations that sometimes fuel our attendance at parties. So that's where I started. And then from that, I started to think about all the other kind of group instances of hanging out. Um, so for me, that meant things like playing music. I'm a musician. So the second chapter is on playing music with other people, especially like in a sort of jamming or improvisatory context. Um, and then I was also thinking about things like dinner gatherings and meals um, and, you know, of course, hanging out at work and making collegial friendships and all that kind of thing. So that turned in for, to me, uh, it turned into kind of a retrospective of, you know, lots of, um, you know, little chapters of my own life where these things have been important to me. So, again, what what was did you discover about it that's important? Because you sort of are advocating that it's kind of a healing thing about it, that it's a valuable self-care almost thing that isn't. You know, it isn't put up there in the pantheon of self-care, hanging out with people. That's not one of the things, you know, meditating and, you know, whatever, all these other nourishing things are there. But just hanging out with people isn't sort of seen as something that can actually be very, very valuable in our lives. So what did you discover about that? Uh, one of the things I discovered is that um, improvisational social activity, when you're just sort of in someone else's presence and you have no real agenda, you're just kind of hanging out together, um, is not only nourishing, like it actually makes you feel better. 
um, and can be inspiring too towards, you know, your own ideas of creativity and working and things like that. But it gives you back a kind of energy, or at least it has the potential to give you back a kind of energy because there's so few stakes associated with it. You know, if you're not trying to get anything out of it, if you're not trying to accomplish anything, it's seen as not productive, as like wasting time. But in fact, it's incredibly productive. The thing that you're producing is relationships. You're producing attachments and meaning. And all of that stuff is the stuff that keeps us going. You're really railing against that idea that hanging out is a waste of time or that it's not it's not productive. So therefore, you know, we should cut it off the list and not put it up there. But you're arguing it actually for the very reason that there's these social ties. That's why it's important. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, in my profession, you know, I attend a number of academic conferences, something that I haven't been able to do for the past couple of years. And there's a general kind of, uh, I would say, attitude towards those events, you know, within university work that's like, oh, well, they're not really that important, right? They're kind of like wasting time and just hanging out and like seeing old friends, which they are. And that's entirely the point, mm. because actually, you know, once you get into your working life as a scholar, as a writer, you spend a lot of time by yourself. Um, you don't have those uh, interactions in the same way you may be used to when you were a student or when you were at college or something like that. And, you know, conference events, events like that are one way to kind of get those social ties up and running again, to make new ones, to form networks. Networks become your basis for publishing, for research, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, there's a, a recent article in The Guardian highlighted this Harvard study which talked about the benefit of interacting with strangers, um, which some people might find a bit weird, but they found that people who interact with a diverse range of people and casual acquaintances report greater life satisfaction and well-being. So you could be talking about the people you might meet at the gym or just in your coffee shop or whatever. I'm a terrible person for, as friends of mine know, that I might arrive early to meet somebody, but by the time my friend arrived, I've already bonded with these people sitting beside me and they end up joining us. I'm, I'm a demon for that. I actually find... I get so much satisfaction out of meeting new people. It's, it's a kind of really life-giving thing for me. Absolutely. I am with you on that, too. Um, and I can tell that about your personality, by the way, just from a distance. Um, I do have a chapter on, on hanging out with strangers, as I call it. And I actually think that that's important social activity as well. I, I draw from some stories in my own experience that if read or interpreted in one way, could seem very threatening, very scary, very risky, but actually end up being not threatening at all, right? Um, you know, just taking the risk of talking to somebody uh, that you don't know and then forming a friendship or even just having a good time with someone that, you know, lasts a couple of hours socially and then, you know, dissipates and that's okay, right? My problem is though, uh, Sheila, that I end up often uh, setting up these WhatsApp groups with these people and then my friends are always like, I was on a train um, a few months ago and I started talking to these older women who were knitting and um, we were having this great intense conversation and my friend actually texted me while we were, while I was talking to these women and was like, if you set up a WhatsApp group with them, I'm going to kill you because <laughs> I have been guilty of that in the past because there's, there's an interesting thing about leaving the the dynamic fresh and also, okay, you met a strangers on a night out. It doesn't mean you ha they have to necessarily become your best friends. It can be just that moment in time where you encountered some people, had a meaningful exchange, and that can give you some kind of, you know, a, a nice boost and a lift and something novel in your life. Totally. And I also think that, you know, that's part of what being human is all about and part of being interested in other humans um, as well. You know, I was just thinking based on your story about uh, a couple of years ago, I was on a plane ride. I was going to South Carolina and it was sort of a long flight. And I, I sat down next to this woman and, you know, we were just making a little chit chat to get going. 
And she just mentioned uh, that she was an undertaker. And I'd never met an undertaker before. And I was fascinated. I started asking her all those questions. And then all of a sudden, we were in South Carolina. And it had been three and a half hours. And we'd just been talking to each other, you know, just going for it. (laughs) Yeah, I had a lovely time. I was in San Francisco recently. And I was sitting having a drink at the bar. I was a bit early for my flight. And I ended up talking to this man. And he was headed to to Ireland on a holiday, an American guy. An older man, and uh, he was telling me he wanted to go to the Burren, which is a beautiful part of Clare in in Ireland, and it's a really magical place. And I had just been there for quite a long time writing an article, so I I ended up getting his email, and I managed to connect him with the, this woman in the Burren who does these walking tours. And it was brilliant because a few weeks later, I got this email from this guy saying, "Thank you so much. That was the best thing ever." And I think there's that as well. It's like you can come into people's lives in a moment and have exchanges that they don't necessarily have to go anywhere else. Um, again in San Francisco, I met these. Um, I went. I think you'll be impressed with this story because there was a table quiz on in a pub down in the Mission District, and uh, I I wanted to do the table quiz, but I went up to this um to couple of. I was thinking, oh, I could do it on my own, but it'd be nice to join a team. And I thought Americans are friendly, so I went up to these two guys, and I said, eh, I'm on my own. I'm, I'm from Ireland, and I, I would. Would you mind if I joined your team? And they looked at me, and they were just like no we're good thanks it was so humiliating but I didn't give up I found these other people and and they said yeah join our team and then when I told them the story they were absolutely outraged and I ended up spending the whole night with them they ended up taking me to a taco place and giving me a bit of a tour and I mean I I see them on Instagram now and I kind of say hi to them but it was just really amazing and again I was there on my own but it did, I didn't feel on my own I was able to connect with people and I think people are much more receptive than people imagine to being you know, to being waylaid like that. I think so too. And I think part of what, you know, sometimes stops us in our tracks about these things is thinking about that risk of rejection. And in your case, I'm glad to hear that you just kind of powered through it and asked a different group and it ended out great. You probably didn't know, want to hang out wrong with that with first me, table anyway. I didn't take that. I thought to myself, well, the chances of someone else saying no is very unlikely. So I'll just keep going. Um, let's talk about your tips and rules for hanging out which you detail at the end of the book so you've got a few rules to do it because you can't just hanging out does take a bit of planning maybe and a bit of you have to think of some things so what are the rules for hanging out well, this was something that I had initially avoided trying to write about. I didn't want to write, a, you know, a book that would sound too self-help-y, um, along with like prescriptive advice. But as I started having conversations with people about hanging out, a lot of people coming out of the pandemic kept saying like, I'm not sure I know how to hang out anymore. Like it, it might actually help me if you had some tips or some advice or some rules. Um, so I started with these basically five simple, you know, I, w- I would call them clues or guidelines. Um, and they're all about taking something. The first one is taking time. That basically you have to make time for it, right? You have to make hanging out kind of a priority. You have to make socializing itself a priority. That means setting aside some time if you have, because we've all had that experience when like someone doesn't really have time to be with you and they're feeling a little bit stressed about it and you're feeling like a hindrance and that's just not good. So taking time is the most important one. That's where it starts. The second one is actually taking risks, is, you know, trying to venture out a little bit, trying to maybe even step out of your comfort zone every now and then. That's not to say that you have to always experience discomfort or put up with discomfort in order to hang out, but that's another important one. Another one is taking heart, and that just basically means bouncing back, like you just said. If something doesn't work out, you know, it's okay. Try it again. It's not the end of the world. So all of the rules really boil down to taking something in one way or another, seizing it for yourself and taking advantage yeah, of it. Yeah, and taking opportunities, I think, is important because sometimes, you know, because hanging out and making new friends and all that kind of stuff can be hard for some people, but 
there's often opportunities there that we might miss. So it's kind of like being on the alert for moments when there's that synchronicity happens. Right, exactly. Taking opportunities is one of the rules that I taught about too, and also making them as well, right? Sometimes that means putting yourself out there and trying to create a kind of opportunity where other people can come into your orbit and have that uh, experience too. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Now, one of your chapters is called Hanging Out on TV, which is very interesting. Basically, you're talking about hanging out with a, a friend of yours who's on reality TV, who's a chef, and you were brought in to kind of hang out in front of the cameras. What was what was that experience like? Well, this was an experience that taught me a lot about both what reality television is for and how we uh how we present it when we uh, look at reality TV shows. And, you know, I kind of worked around to this argument that reality TV, in part, why we're drawn to it is we get to eavesdrop on other people's social lives. We get to see, you know, their friends and their family and the, like, intimate way that all those things work in a way that feels social to us. And I think that's why a lot of us enjoy it. Um, In the case of my particular friend, it was a very strange and uncanny experience because I went from being her friend and doing all these normal things like, you know, having dinner parties on the weekend and celebrating the Super Bowl together or whatever to doing all those things in addition to doing them on television. And our life started to have this weird doubled quality to it where everything we did, we had to do twice. So we would celebrate somebody's birthday and then we would celebrate (laughs) somebody's birthday on TV. And it had this strange like feeling of like, so which one's the real one? Which party is the one that really is supposed to count? And which one is the one that we're just doing, you know, for the sake of doing it? (laughs) That's hilarious. Tell me about your life in Hanging Out now, because you're an academic, you're in a university environment. So what do you consider? Are you, have you really kind of come to be an expert at hanging out now? Or are you kind of, do you take it very seriously? Or what, what does your life look like at the moment in hanging out terms? I, I'm, I was worried that I would, you know, develop a reputation as an expert on hanging out, which I don't feel like I necessarily am. And I'm, I'm worried that that will continue to plague me. Um, but I think in, in the university environment, you know, um, I'm, my expertise is in a background in literary studies um, and also in creative writing. So that's what I draw from in the style for this book. Um, I talk a lot about, you know, literary examples. Um, so like hanging out in literature, what it looks like throughout history and things like that, examples that were given. 
Um, but in my own life and experience, you know, the university experience is so much about hanging out. It's about hanging out in the classroom. That's what I do with students every single day, um, you know, where you brainstorm and you create things together and you bat around ideas and you try things out in an environment where it feels okay to try them out and take those risks. And on a collegial level, it's also about hanging out. It's about um, the cross-pollination of ideas that happens on a college campus, which is one of the reasons that I feel so lucky to be in that line of work, because it can be a lot of fun. One of the criticisms of your book, I'm sure you've read all your reviews, and it was a very nice review, but this guy, obviously it was a guy, said, how come you didn't talk about hanging out at sports games? Because that's the ultimate hanging out. And I didn't care that you don't write about sports games, because that's not the kind of hanging out I ever want to do with anyone. But I was interested in why it didn't factor. I appreciate that. Um, And I <laughs> I had the same sort of reaction. And it's not that I don't even care about sports, but I think that blind spot for me might have come from the fact that I just spent a decade living in two states of the United States that don't have any professional sports teams. Um, So I used to live in North Dakota. I was there for six years, and now I live in Vermont. These are both more rural states um, within the U.S., and neither of them have professional sports teams. So even though sports is a part of the culture in both places, it's not a part of the culture in the same way you would find it in, say, New York City or San Francisco or something like that. And that may be one of the reasons why I had, you know, sort of discounted that experience. But of course, I get that a lot of people get their meaning from hanging out in a sports context. And, you know, I would never uh, try to uh, prevent anyone from seeing uh, the importance of that thing, too. No, and then people can take what they want from the book and they can write their own book about hanging out at sports games, maybe. (laughs) But um, actually, speaking of hanging out, I love when I'm in America. I mean, I've been lucky to be in America three times this year, bizarrely, New York, San Francisco and Florida. And I really like hanging out there and kind of people watching and just, again, meeting sort of new people. But what are you as an American, how are you finding hanging out in America at the moment as a country? Oh, it's a it's a little bit complicated, I think, at the moment. I think it's like, you know, we're all sort of learning how to do it again, all over again. And in some cases, there is a lot of uh, fear and awkwardness and trepidation that goes into it, too. Um, I think the pandemic definitely made many of us feel a little bit rusty about those skills associated with hanging out. And that's part of it, too. But I also think we developed a lot of coping strategies during the pandemic that we now just tend to rely on because they've become convenient and easier. You know, it is easier to text a friend or it's easier to, you know, call them than it is to actually put the effort into getting together and seeing them in person, making that time and doing that. Um, But of course, you know, we get so many benefits from doing that. Like, Just the other day, I was walking down the street and a friend of mine was like driving past down the street and she like pulled her car over and jumped out of the car to come give me a hug. And I realized it had been years since like something like that had happened, that kind of interaction where somebody like saw me and came up to give me a physical gesture like that out of the blue. And um, actually, I have to say, I was actually asking you about America and how you find America at the moment generally. What what is it? Um, Because we watching it from here, we're seeing your rights being eroded and rode back and things like that in the in the country. Politically, how are you finding it? Yeah, politically, that's making it complicated, too. I think there's, you know, an overwhelming sense of the political divisions uh, that exist in our country. And I think sometimes in our minds, those divisions turn into even bigger stumbling blocks or impediments than they might even be in reality. And I think a lot of times people think they have their mind made up about somebody before they even begin to start talking to them. Um, And I have noticed, you know, for example, in the classroom where I teach, there is this feeling that like it's harder to just speak your mind. It's harder to like get out there and say what you think because there's a fear that you're going to be judged for it. 
Um, and, you know, that's too bad because it does stifle that kind of conversation we would be having with each other. It is interesting how that can divide people, isn't it? Even in that kind of very casual sense. And and you it can be a block to even getting to know someone because you make assumptions, maybe based on where someone lives or maybe on the if they're wearing a MAGA cap, well, I think your assumptions are probably right about them then. But yeah, it's it's a, it's a tricky one. So maybe some people listening, it's 2023, maybe they're making a resolution to hang out a lot more, but they're feeling since the pandemic that they haven't quite got their groove back. Do you have any advice for people? I suppose one initial point of advice would be, you know, see if you can turn off that urge to make assumptions about somebody before you start talking to them or before you start hanging out with them in person and getting to know them a little bit. Um, you know, I, I find that if we're able to kind of set aside those assumptions about what we think we're going to get out of an experience, we may end up actually having a nice time with someone, whether that's a stranger or whether that's a friend that we think, you know, we've made up our mind about where they stand or something politically. Um, I have, you know, quite a few friends who I don't agree with, uh, you know, politically. And I think it's important to keep those friends in my life, not just because I get to like, you know, constantly have views of what the other side's thinking and that kind of keeps me grounded too. But also like every now and then we get into a very sort of friendly sort of debate about things and then we're able to like back away and pull back to being friends again. And I think that's a, a good kind of model for thinking about how that conversational democracy has to work. Because Sheila, do you think there's a sense that we have to fully be subscribed to the other person's thinking, like to hang out with them, almost like... We only want to hang out with people who are completely like minded, which in which we're going to miss out on a lot, aren't we? Because I think it's important to disagree with your friends. And I have friends I also disagree on certain things with. We don't fall out over it, though, but we do have interesting discussions. But I think nowadays it's very polarizing, like we all have to think the same way about absolutely everything. And that's another deterrent to just hanging out with everybody. Yes, absolutely. Um, as is the assumption that your friend thinks exactly like you, um, you know, because often there are these smaller debates and things that exist, even when you think you see eye to eye with someone. Uh, in the conclusion of the book, I, I talk about a friend of mine who I've known for a very long time since I was in college. We've been friends for about 20 years. And uh, about this time last year, we were together in Milwaukee. I was there for a conference and he came up from Chicago and met me and we kind of hung out for the evening. And we got in this fight um, in a bar we were sitting in. And it was a good-natured fight. You know, it's just I hadn't expected that he would not see this thing the same way I did. And then all of a sudden, like, yeah, this fight had cropped up. And I kept thinking about, you know, if we were doing this over our phones, if we were doing it over the Internet, we would probably have just walked away from each other. We would just have ended the conversation. We'd have ignored each other. But because we were there together, we just had to fix it. And we had to sort it out. And so that's what we did. We, we stayed in the bar for like three hours and we debated it and we got to the bottom of it. And then, you know, we kissed and made up and it was all fine. <laughs> of all your types of hanging out, Sheila, what's your favorite? I mean, you said you play music. What music do you play? Uh, so I play the bagpipes. What? <laughs> yes. Well, I don't want to hang out with you, Sheila. I'm sorry. That's the end of our that's the end of our potential hanging out now. I also play the other most annoying instrument, which is the accordion. <laughs> Anything else? The guitar. Yes. Now you're talking. Cause yes. I've got my go, ukulele go. up on the wall there. We can, we can. Okay, hang good, do good. you like Taylor Swift? I do. Yes. <laughs> okay. Just keep the bagpipes and the accordion away. Well, Get you know, guitar. let me tell you, even though I started playing bagpipes when I was very young and that's sort of like the instrument I play the most. One of the reasons I picked up the guitar was to hang out more with other musicians. It is the world's most social instrument. You can talk while playing it. You can communicate to other musicians through the language of the guitar. Mm. So you can like show them chords and be like, no, it's this. This is what I'm playing, right? So it becomes this um, kind of conversational smoother. And if I didn't have the language of the guitar, which I'm not great at, um, I would, you know, 
probably be at a loss to hang out and play with musicians. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a great at the ukulele, but it doesn't stop me. I'll tell you that much for nothing. And I think we, I have these singing nights. So if you're ever in Dublin, you'll have to come with your, um, well, you can borrow my guitar. But we have singing nights. And during the pandemic, we couldn't, we did the, try to do them on Zoom. And we did do them a few times, but it's so, it was so awful because you had to, if you were the one singing, everyone else had to mute to join in so that it didn't all clash and, you know, yeah. the delay and everything. Um, but we did manage sometimes to get together socially distanced to have our singing outside and it was brilliant like with a few oh, glasses of that. wine yeah. I love that what kind of stuff do you guys sing? we sing all sorts of things like Sinead O'Connor we sing yeah. Taylor <laughs> I do love a bit of Taylor um, folk music all sorts of things there's a group of us and we haven't done it for ages actually now I'm really thinking I really miss hanging out with those guys <laughs> yeah fantastic but um, it well, is, it's just the joy I think what you your, your whole premise of your book is if you sum it up a little bit it's not having to produce anything at the end it's, it's, it's mm-hmm. not having to be productive and do something and have something ticked off your list. It's for pure enjoyment and just being with people that you like, new people, old people, all that kind of stuff. It's um, I think you've done a, the world a service and I love the way the word radical is in the title as well. What's the full title of the book? The subtitle is The Radical Power of Killing Time. It is radical just to kill time and not to have to have something to show for it at the end. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The There's, I think too often an assumption that anything you do with your time has to be productively spent, right? It has to end up with some kind of product that you can show for it and say, this is what I spent my time doing. But yeah, hanging out is kind of the opposite, at least when it's happening right. I think my, my children think I hang out too much. They're always giving out to me for going out. But now I'm going to tell them about your book and say, no, this woman <laughs> says it's really important for my health to do that. You can tell them I said so. <laughs> okay. Well, look, it's been lovely talking to you. I have to ask you too about an Irish connection because Sheila isn't a typical American name. So there must be some Irish in there somewhere. Yes. Yes. Uh, my dad's mother, uh, her people came from Roscommon and she came from Roscommon. Her maiden name was Noonan. Um, and that's where I got the Sheila somewhere. I think that was probably her idea, actually. <laughs> and have you been to Ireland before? I have, yes, twice. Um, but it's been a while. I need to get back. OK, well, when you come back, we'll have a singing night. I'll get the ukulele out and uh, maybe I'll try and find an accordion for you. Just, you know, you, you that can, would be delightful. You can convince me that it's not as bad as I think it is in my head. <laughs> that would be great, too, because traveling with an accordion is a nightmare. So, <laughs> OK, that's a deal. Listen, it's been lovely talking to you. Thanks so much. You as um, well. Thank you, Roshi. Lovely hanging out with you. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. That was Sheila Liming there, all the way from America, and her book is called Hanging Out, The Radical Power of Killing Time. That's all we have time for. The podcast is produced by Suzanne Brennan, Aideen Finnegan, and me, Roisin Ingle, with JJ Vernon on sound. Mind yourselves, and I will talk to you next time. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.